All right, well, good evening. My name is Mike, and uh, I just want to say welcome to Northwood Young Adults. And uh, here we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And also hope that you came with an open heart because you are wanted and welcomed here. So it's good to see you. That's a great time of worship, right? That's great. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you. We're glad you're here. Uh, before we get going tonight, I want to ask you guys something, okay? So who in here is a light sleeper? <laughs> All right, so, okay, a good, a good amount. So, for those of you who live in dorms, okay, I have heard some stories I feel for you. All right, well, I'm not a light sleeper, personally, but my wife definitely is. She's not here tonight. She's at home with a sick baby, so be praying for them. Uh, but I get up really early in the morning, most days, and when you combine that with someone who is a light sleeper, things get a little interesting, okay? And I'm talking light, okay? Like I reach over to grab my glasses and she's like, oh, what, what's going on? What, what, what are you doing over there, right? Uh, and, you know, it makes the, the tiny noise. And so when I'm trying to get ready in the morning, you know, we, we figured out some things, okay? Figured out how to uh, open the closet door, you know, just right so the bathroom light doesn't, you know, Get, hit her right in the face, right? Uh, we've learned how to open and close doors to be considerate. We've, uh, I've, I've learned how to leave one second on the microwave when I'm making my oatmeal in the morning, okay? So you kind of put these things in place. And so for a while, you know, I'm just kind of feeling my way around in the dark. That's kind of my only option. And the little invention that helps is this handy flashlight on your phone, okay? And I, I don't know what I would do without this thing, okay? So if, this would be weird, but if you ever in my house really early in the morning, you would see me walking around my house, my, my you know, bedroom, kitchen, all this with, you know, with my head down, using this thing as my, my guide. And, uh, and so uh, tonight we're, we're concluding our series, Chemistry. And we've talked about our chemistry with God. We've talked about our chemistry with others, with the opposite sex. And so tonight we're going to talk about our chemistry with the world. And we're going to see how God wants our relationship with the world to look. And what we're going to see is, you know, just as I use my little flashlight to see around the darkness of my house, that we are called to use the light that Jesus put in us to navigate the darkness of this world. All right, so if you would pray with me, and then we'll jump into this. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, just again, thank you for a great time of worship. And as we continue in that tonight, God, I pray that you would have your way. God, as we hear from your word, I pray you speak clearly to us. And I thank you, God, that in our weakness, your power is made perfect. And so we invite you here again tonight, God, to pray that you'd have your way. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 5 tonight. And while you're turning there, I want to give you some context to what we'll be reading. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins his most famous sermon, okay, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's right at the beginning of his ministry on earth. Well, in the very first verse of that chapter, of chapter 5, we see that Jesus went up on a mountain, and it says that he sat down, and that drew, that drew the attention of his disciples. And, and I wanted to mention that because in that time when people of spiritual authority would sit down to teach, it, it really did get everybody's attention. That was a way for them to signify their spiritual authority. And so Jesus sat down to begin talking. Everybody paid attention immediately. They were hanging on his every word. And the first thing that he says or what are called the Beatitudes, okay? So you may be familiar with those. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who, who are meek, etc. Well, then we get to verse 13. That's where we're going to start reading tonight. And we're going to read verses 13 through 16 as one piece, and then we're going to go back and see what we find. So this is verse, or ver, yeah, chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So let's read verse 13 one more time. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And so Jesus, he, he says to his disciples, he says to us tonight, he says, you are the salt of the earth, which begs the question, what does that mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, when Jesus says, said this to the disciples, it communicated two things. It communicated two things. In the Old Testament, salt was used as a purifying agent. Okay, so it was used in sacrifices. It was used in covenants between other people. And, and we kind of we know how this works, right? We use salt water when we have toothaches, right? Uh, Ariel and Carol both got their wisdom teeth out a couple weeks ago. I got mine out like a year ago this week, last year. And when they hurt, you use salt water. It's supposed to help heal them. And if you have a scrape on your knee and you go to the beach, the salt water helps it heal quicker. We kind of know that, right? But also in biblical days, so the second thing, salt was used as a preserving substance. Back then, they didn't have refrigerators or freezers to preserve their food, and so they used salt to do so, to, to prevent it from decaying. And so when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he's telling his disciples and he's telling us tonight that we are to play our part in purifying and preserving the world from decay. And so he is commanding us to purify and preserve the world through the way that we live and through the way that we proclaim the gospel with our lives. And by living this way, we do our part in purifying the world around us and we preserve, it from decline, from the, preserve the world from declining further into sin. Well, as Jesus continues, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can it be restored? And he then takes it a step further, and he says, that salt, that salt that's lost its taste, is now good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So a disciple who has lost their saltiness is someone who, instead of living the life that Jesus has called them to live, instead of preserving and purifying the world, they instead promote destruction by the way that they live and talk and act. And so instead of bringing life to the world around them, they bring death, or at the very least, do nothing to bring about change. You know, when something loses its flavor, you have no idea that it's there, right? I mean, think about how food tastes before and after you put salt on it, right? You can tell the difference. And so if we are not being the salt of the earth, we're just blending in, bringing nothing valuable to the table, bringing about no change around us. And Jesus says that kind of salt is only good to be thrown on the ground, meaning that it was used to kill vegetation. You know, you may have heard of the, uh, the popular high school senior prank of high school senior classes going to their school and finding a patch of grass and pouring salt and, you know, spelling out class of 2011. Let's just use that. That's when I graduated high school. And the salt kills the grass. And so class of 2011 stays there for a long time. It's because salt kills vegetation when it's thrown on the ground. And that's the point Jesus is making here. And so for those who have lost their saltiness, nothing grows where they go. Nothing grows where they go. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a follower of Jesus where nothing grows where I go. Right? I, I want to bring life with me and, and, and peace with me and hope with me. And I'm sure you would say the same because that's what Jesus brings. And also I've really come to, to love this analogy that Jesus makes about being the salt of the earth. You know, I, I've read it before, heard it before, I kind of understand the gist, 
uh, but never really dug this deep into it. And it's a really interesting idea to think about. You know, Jesus knows what he's doing. But I came across one take on this that kind of took it to another level for me. And it was the idea that salt isn't useful until it's spread. So salt isn't useful until it's spread. You know, think about it. At your house or at a restaurant, salt sitting in the salt shaker isn't really doing a lot for anybody, right? It becomes useful when it is applied to something. And so for all of us in here tonight, we're like a bunch of salt in the salt shaker, right? You know, it's great to come here. It's, it's great to worship God and hear God's word. Great to spend time with one another. But if it stays here and is never spread to the world, then the salt is not being used. And so we talk about the idea of, you know, changing your world. And if we keep our faith in the salt shaker, we won't ever see change in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families, etc. So let's keep moving to the next verse, two verses, 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So Jesus continues and he says, you are the light of the world. Which is interesting because in another spot in the Gospels where, where we see the, the life of Jesus summarized, we see in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so by saying to his disciples here that they are the light of the world and, and to us that we're the light of the world, it can be seen as his way of, of communicating that we are an extension of his ministry, right? That we, that we carry the same light that he does as his disciples and his followers. And so he continues and he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And when people light a lamp, they don't put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. And that's a pretty easy thing to picture, right? It makes no sense to have a light in the house that you turn on, but then hide, right? At our house, we have a, an Alexa. In the next 10 years, buttons will be a thing of the past. I guarantee it. Everything will be voice control and touchscreen, okay? Uh, anyway, just saying. So, you know, we have an Alexa, and so I'll walk into our living room, and I'll say, Alexa, turn on the lamps, and they come on, okay? Now, it would be dumb if I said, Alexa, turn on the lamps, and then threw a blanket or put a basket over the lamp, right? Why turn it on in the first place? Why even have the lamp if you're just going to hide it, right? Let that thing do what it was created to do. And the same goes for us, right? Jesus has called us to be the light of the world, and so we don't need to dim ourselves or hide our light, right? Just like the kid's song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? When we first moved into our house about four years ago, I noticed that the lighting was terrible, okay? The previous owners used, had to have been like the dimmest light bulbs known to man, okay? I, I literally, I walked in there and I said, how do they live like this? They must walk around with night vision goggles all the time. This is, you know, it's kind of crazy. And so the first thing, one of the first things I did was I went through and changed every light bulb, right? I mean, if you're going to have lights, let them be bright, right? And the same goes for us, right? We are the light of the world, and so we should shine bright. <laughs> Perfect. Like a diamond. Uh, so uh, as a side note, too, you know, Jesus says, when he, when he talks about this, he says, People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. And so a question I wanted to ask you guys tonight, when you think about this, what, what could be the basket that's hiding your light? What, what could be something in your life that is possibly dimming your light or hiding your light? And is it something that, that, that you need to let go of, okay? So here's one thing I don't want to miss tonight in this, though, as well, is that the reason that we are called to be the light of the world 
is only because the world defaults to darkness, right? Darkness is the absence of light. At the very beginning of, of the story of God, we see the, the book of Genesis, it tells us that the planet was without form, or the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered it until God said, what? Let there be light. And since the fall of man, mankind has defaulted to darkness, defaulted to sin. Until Jesus stepped into human form and took on that darkness in our place so that he could look into our dark soul and say the same thing that was said at creation. Let there be light. And now he calls us to take that light into all the world and illuminating the darkness that exists in the world. You know, the world is not a bright place with some dark spots. It's a dark place with some bright spots. And those bright spots are those who claim the name of Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so this section of Scripture, it ends with Jesus saying, let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and because of them give glory to God. And I think this hits on an issue that that Christians seem to face in culture today. You know, Jesus says, he says, do good things but not so that you can get the credit, but so that God can get the credit. You know, there exists today what you could call performative Christianity. To a degree, you know, it's always existed, right? But with social media and the rise of Christian celebrity, we see the glory of good works, sometimes being split between the person and God. You know, every, every good work that we do as followers of Christ is not to point people to ourselves, but to point people past us and to him, right? That's what Jesus says. He says, so they see your good works and they give glory to the Father. And so if we have slipped into that idea of performative Christianity, being in it just for the performance or the act or, or the attention, then we're not doing good work. We're, we're doing good works not to advance God's agenda, but to advance our own. You know, think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, for example. Okay, you might be familiar with that. A man gets beaten and, and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road, and two people walk, walk right past him and don't help him. And then comes a third guy who, who comes, and he, he gets him back on his feet, and he helps him, and, and he kind of brings the guy back to, to health, and he pays for some things for him and really helps the guy out. And the, and the point Jesus was making in that story was to say, hey, this is how you should treat people. Well, if someone has slipped into performative Christianity, the heart is still there. The heart of the Good Samaritan is still there. Like, they'll, they'll probably help. But if someone has slipped into performative Christianity, they won't, always, they won't only help, but it's likely they'll post about it on Instagram. Does that make sense? So it seems that we've traded picking up our cross with picking up our camera to see if we can squeeze out any glory for ourselves and in doing so, we've robbed God of all that he deserves. And this goes back to the idea of being the salt of the earth. No one puts salt on food, eats the food, and says, wow, that salt, money. That salt is awesome. No, the salt is intended to bring out the flavor of what you are actually eating. Right? Just as our good works are not meant to cause people to say, man, you are awesome, but to instead highlight and bring out and put on display the goodness and glory of God. So let your light shine, not to point to ourselves, but to him. And so to drive this home tonight, I 
mentioned the flashlight on my phone earlier. And uh, so go ahead and take yours out for me. And go ahead and turn it on. Everybody good? I want to show you guys something. Go ahead and pick them up. Look around. I want to tell you guys tonight, you were responsible for your own light. No one reached over and hit the button for you. It's your responsibility. It's your light. And this dark room is not so dark when all of us are shining. And this is what it looks like when we go into the world and we shine our light and we go into the workplaces and we go into our schools and our classrooms and we go into our families and we let our light shine, not pointing to ourselves, but to Christ. So we can go ahead and turn those lights back on. We're about to move into a time of communion and we do, the, we, we do communion to close every series, and we do it first and foremost because Jesus commanded us to. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And in the life of a Christian, communion is kind of a reset. It, it grounds you. It brings you back to the body that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for you. And so tonight, as we move into this time of communion, I would encourage you to take a moment and pray and thank God for what he did for you to secure your salvation. But then also, make a decision tonight to say, I'm going to let my light shine. No one can shine my light for me. It's my responsibility to make that decision tonight, to go into the darkness of this world and be a bright spot that claims the name of Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for everything that you've done for us, God. The, the cross, there's so many different aspects of that, every sin, past, present, future, you took for us to place your light inside of us so that we can go into the darkness of this world and let it shine. So God, I pray as we take this time of communion that we would make a decision tonight to not only be grounded by the cross of Christ, but to also make a decision as we leave that we're going to shine our light in the darkness of this world. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.